This is Carson Edwards from the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to the Boiler Breakdown Podcast, hosted by Tanner Lee, Evan Webb, and Andrew Eiler. I convened a group in my basement, and I had Coach Katie, who's the legendary basketball coach here, and Jim Coletto was there. And we just began to talk about what is it we think we need. I threw out the question, you know, who, who might fit that bill? And one of the names that popped out was Joe Tiller. We're here to win a championship. We've won them in the past, and we will win them again in the future. I didn't buy into this idea that Purdue hasn't had a winning season in 12 years, and it might be another 12 before they have a winning season. I just didn't, I didn't subscribe to that. Joe Tiller and the Watermakers upset Bob Davey and the Fighting Irish. It's Pandemonium, coach, coach of the year. I hope we have a whole lot more of these. It's a great win for Purdue. First of many, we hope. Rose Bowl is still a possibility. That's got to be exciting. Just win one more game. That's all Purdue needs to do. Just win one more. Wait in a lifetime. 34 years. And now for Purdue, the wait is over. California, here they come. I just remember jumping, hopping up and down and saying, the Rose Bowl, we're going to the Rose Bowl. We're going to the Rose Bowl. What's going on, Boiler Nation? Tanner Lee here along with Evan Webb, like I always am, for another edition of the Boiler Breakdown Podcast. We appreciate you taking time to view the podcast with uh, along with us or listen to it if you're listening to this at a little later time. We got a really fun podcast prepared for you tonight as we're going to be covering the all-time winningest Purdue football coach, the legendary, the cowboy, Joe Tiller. 87 wins over a 12-year career at Purdue. Evan, when you think of Joe Tiller, what first comes to your mind? I mean, to me, Joe Tiller is Purdue football. I mean, you and I were both born early 90s. You know, he obviously wasn't the coach then, but, you know, our formative years were all Joe Tiller. Um, it's what even most of the fan base, you know, we strive to get back to. Um, those early 2000s teams, obviously the, the 2000 Rose Bowl team or 2001 Rose Bowl team. Um, but I mean, when I think of him, it's, you know um, – innovative offense, you know, the basketball on grass kind of mentality had some, you know, part of my friends with some badass defenses throughout the years. I think that's appropriate. Yeah. But it's just, you know, I mean, to me, Joe Tiller, I think Joe Tiller, that's that's what I think of. I think of pretty football, right? Like he's, he is pretty football to me. Yeah. I mean, we, we were lucky to grow up when we did and and we're going to hit on all the Tiller years, but we'll be honest. We don't remember the 90 years, the 1990s. Real well with Joe Tiller. I do luckily remember the first season I remember pretty well Mm -hmm. was the 2000 season. And, -hmm. of course, I went back and watched old highlights and everything and the uh, Mm -hmm. Big Ten Elite show that featured that 2000 Rose Bowl team. I mean, that all you got to do is watch that and you really understand what happens during that season. But, uh, I mean, we we were so – we were spoiled. Yeah, uh, uh, growing yeah. up at first round Purdue football because we we didn't know what it was really wasn't what it was like not to win at least eight games for yeah the first Same few years we were watching Purdue football. Growing up where we did, where it's you know we grew up right in the heart of Notre Dame country. Um, you know, IU basketball, Notre Dame football fans, the reversibles, the reversibles. Um, and it was fun. You know, I mean, we didn't get Notre Dame every year, but you knew you had a, you felt like you had a chance every single year you played them. Uh, it was always fun, and when you did beat them, it just made, you know, for us at the time, you know, going to middle school around that time was a lot of fun because we had teachers who were fans, and 
being able to talk smack to your social studies teacher was always fun. Oh, absolutely. And, and we'll, we'll get into it more, but I mean, the quarterbacks, we grew up watching right. Drew Brees, Kyle Orton, yeah. then even Curtis Painter. That's three NFL quarterbacks yeah. back to back to bat that started a majority of their career mm-hmm. at Purdue. So, absolutely. So, yeah, Joe Tiller, uh, man, I still wish he was with us today. Yeah. I mean, he just what a great legacy he left at mm-hmm. Purdue. And, and I think, and we've talked about this on a past podcast before, I think Purdue should do more in honor absolutely. of his legacy whether it's a statue or a building named after him or a part of the Mm -hmm. stadium or something i know a lot of people wanted the field to be named after him of course now that's named after um, bob rorman who just recently passed away Mm -hmm. um so i I think purdue will do something like that eventually i'm just not sure what what it is and and maybe they got something in mind but it's gonna be pushed back especially because of uh all the covid stuff going on so Mm -hmm. But uh, let's get right into it. I mean, when Purdue hired Joe Tiller, they hadn't had a winning season in 12 years. The Fred Aker year, Fred Aker's years and Jim Coletto years were not kind to Purdue, to say the least. Um, so when uh, Morgan Burke was sitting down trying to figure out, come up with a list of who to hire, he was actually sitting in his, ba- in his basement, and a few of the guys with him were Jim Coletto and Gene mm-hmm. Katie. And Joe Tiller was one of those names on the list. Joe had been assistant back uh, in the '80s for Purdue. He was I assistant. About that. He was assistant head coach, uh, coached some D line, and um, something else, I believe. So, so he was familiar with the culture at Purdue. And when Joe was kind of on the market, he was coming off a ten and two season at Wyoming. Mm-hmm. So he's becoming a hot commodity and offensive minded head coach who could score a lot of points. And he's even quoted saying that not only was the Purdue job offered to him, but so was the Illinois and Minnesota jobs. So we had three Big Ten offers right. in one offseason, but Purdue appealed to him the most. He thought it was the place he could have success, the most success and win. And um, he even said on uh, November 22nd, 1996, after his introductory press conference, he said, he's, he's said, and I quote, we're here to win a championship. We've won them in the past. We will win them again in the future. And his his uh, promise came true. Fulfilled, yeah, fulfilled his promise. Um, another another thing I like about this 1997 season that we're starting to get into is a lot of the players like this saying from Joe Tiller, which Joe said he actually got from Bob Knight, unfortunately. But it's uh, do what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it the way it's supposed to be done, and do it that way every time. Mm-hmm. The player said that was instilled to them right when he got on campus. Mm-hmm. And that was just his motto throughout his tenure at Purdue was simple like that. And it is. That's a good little yeah. life motto, really. So um, Joe came to campus, signed a recruiting class. It was ranked dead last, 11th out of 11th in the Big Ten. And looking back, that recruiting class had uh, some guy named uh, Drew Brees. I don't know if the camera – there we go, Brees. Uh, Matt Light. Yeah, Texas. Um, Brandon Gorin, Gene Morat, Morinsky, um, Tricky Kobe, Finney Sutherland. Um, I'm missing a lot of them, but I mean, just on and on. And, um, their goal also from day one on campus was to win a Big Ten championship. Mm -hmm. But, uh, the Tiller era definitely didn't start off with a bang. Yeah. As their, uh, the, the first game of the 1997 season was played in the Glass Bowl over in Toledo. 
and the Rockets upset the Boilermakers 36-22. So uh, wasn't the best start, to say the least. No, I I can't really imagine what was going through the heads of Purdue fans coming off the Uh, Colorado years. And then, because I've talked to uh, my dad about this in the just in the past, and he says, "Yeah, that first game, they were all kind of fired up about, you know, the new coach, and then you lose to Toledo. It's like, oh my God, here we go again. You know, just it's you know, same old, same old. You know, we just had twelve years of losing. You know, here goes another one. And then I know talking with my dad, he uh, one of his favorite memories was what we're getting ready to get into is losing to Toledo, but then coming back and beating, you know, big bad Notre Dame." Yeah, and this wasn't a good Toledo team. This was a yeah. middle of the road Mac Toledo yeah. team. Um, <laughs> and, and, and I tried to, I was going through my head, you know, we've seen three Purdue football coaches make their debut, or at least we remember their debut games. Mm-hmm. Danny Hope against Toledo, against Toledo actually, yeah. and Ralph Bolden went off that game yeah. and was an easy win. Uh, Daryl Hazel at Cincinnati, you were at that game. Yeah, we, we hunt in there for about a half. And yeah. then... Um, Not a whole lot of offense on the Purdue side. No, no. And then the first Jeff Brom game, and that's a hard one to forget where they get Louisville and yeah. defending Heisman Trophy winner Lamar Jackson all they wanted and really reinstalled some uh, hope and some energy into the yeah. football program I mean, right away. I mean, not to get off topic, but I remember the difference between Hazel's first game and Brom's first game were lo- which even like even I remember even thinking after the Hazel game the Cincinnati game at Hazel's first year was we lost but you know hey you know we've got a good team we'll get back on track and obviously that didn't happen I remember the Louisville game going into it like going oh my god let's just not I don't know why we're going to this game like we're gonna get beat by forty it's Lamar Jackson and walking away from that going oh my god we might you know this might be might be something and it, it ended up being that so I was yeah it's always I'd like to kind of go back and kind of talk to our parents about what they, you know, what they were really thinking after that Toledo game. Yeah. Yeah. I should have asked my dad tonight when I saw him, but I didn't. Um, so that, that's, uh, that's on me for not preparing, but uh, the players are noted saying after, after the, the Toledo game, it was odd how calm Joe mm-hmm. Tiller was. And Joe pretty much said, Hey, we got 11 more games. We're going to come out next week and go beat Notre Dame. And, and he's also quoted saying that he could have ripped them, give, gave them a ton lashing, but he goes, it wouldn't have done any good. Right. So, I mean, you know, first game under a new coach and new staff, mm-hmm. you don't want to get on the player's bad side right away. And um, they held up to Joe's word as they shocked the world the next week and beat the Irish, who were ranked number 15 in the nation at the time, 28-17. to 17. And this is the game – Boilermaker Nation and the Big Ten was kind of introduced to the bubble screen mm-hmm. and the basketball and grass style of offense that Joe yeah. was going to excite Purdue fans and Big Ten fans for many years to come. Mm-hmm. So love that cover photo there of uh, yeah. lineman hugging uh, Billy Dickens, which Billy Dickens is a great story anyways. I mean, he was a fifth-year senior quarterback mm-hmm. who had played some quarterback, played some defensive back even for Purdue, and then ends up being all-conference that right. year so yeah, I mean, he was a big reason why purdue ends up going nine and three mm-hmm. in the season so so after they beat notre dame purdue got hot won their next five and they got ranked up to 23rd which i'm guessing was the first time purdue had been ranked in a long long time mm-hmm. and they were off the six and one start so they were already bull eligible 
And then they lost um, at number 16, Iowa, 35-17. And then they uh, lost two weeks later against at home against number six, Penn State, 42-17. Yikes. So they're three, and then they won at Indiana, fifty-six to seven. <laughs> so their their three losses were at Toledo, um, at Iowa, and Penn State at home. So and then they uh, faced Oklahoma State in the Alamo Bowl, first bowl game. Like I said, Purdue has been to in twelve years, so mm-hmm. had a really good following from West Lafayette down in San Antonio, and Purdue came away victorious in the Alamo Bowl. Like the headline says, big splash in San Antonio. So, and that's one game I don't think I've ever watched that game. I know I've watched the other album. Yeah, I feel like I feel like they run together, and I can never. If I've seen highlights, I always think one is the other, or just they kind of. Yeah, I don't know. I need to go back and watch those. And, and I, I have to mention this. I forgot to pull up the graphic, and I knew I was going to do this because this graphic was misplaced in the order. I wanted to, and now I got to find it. I I can't talk about the 1997 season without bringing up this graphic of the MSU comeback. Mm -hmm. I mean, you had the blocked kick that Roosevelt Colvin scored a touchdown on. Then you had the two-point conversion. Then you had the onside kick. Mm -hmm. Went down, scored again. Didn't get the two-point, but then uh, Michigan State got in field goal range and missed the 46-yarder. And Purdue came back from down double digits with, like, three minutes left or something. I, 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 I just watched that game actually over the weekend. So I, if I remember correctly, that coach for Michigan state is a uh, still coaching day at some school called Alabama. Apparently. Yeah. Right he's here. supposedly pretty good, but yeah. uh, can't beat Purdue. Yeah, so to play Purdue. he was on three against Joe Tiller. Yeah. So, and that is Sir Nick Saban or yeah. Nick, Nick Satan. Some people yeah. call him. I still, I remember, man, this goes back middle school. Uh, MySpace days for those who oh, actually had a MySpace. We all remember you and I both had like a Purdue highlight video on our pages, and that Michigan State game was on there. And I just remember it had the the video with the radio broadcast and Joe McConnell, who again, I, when I think of Purdue football, I can't you know I can't not think of Absolutely. Joe McConnell. Um, just I love his voice. His voices to me is Purdue football, and just his excitement and call on that was was awesome. Yeah, that was will go always go down as one of the greatest Purdue uh, football calls, radio calls in the history of Purdue football. Um, so Purdue finishes the nineteen ninety seven season with a record of nine and three overall, uh, ranked number fifteenth in the final polls. Joe Tiller gets Big Ten Coach of the Year, of course. So they're going to the nineteen ninety eight season with some momentum. So the schedule makers put them in USC to start the year on ABC and the Pigskin Classic. Hmm. The game was played in the Coliseum. It's number 15, Drew Brees' first career start. And I know people are on record saying it was about 100 degrees on the field. I think actually yeah. the temperature was 99 degrees. Probably what, late August? or was it? Yeah, yeah it was late August. Late yep. August, yeah. Yep. Southern California. Oh, boy. And uh, Purdue put up a fight, but ended up coming up short, losing 27-17. to 17, But they came away knowing they had a special quarterback. Who was on and, that USC team? You, well, you know who came in? A freshman quarterback named Carson Palmer came in late for USC. Oh, I thought and he was later than that. Okay. And delivering That's them cool. the year. It would be a 99 because then he won the Heisman yeah. three That's years true. later, his senior That's year. True. Yep. So who would have thought Drew Brees against Carson Palmer? Pretty good little mm-hmm. quarterback matchup there. Yeah. Hindsight. 
So uh, Purdue did bounce back the next week in their home opener against Rice, and that was yours truly's first ever Purdue football <laughs> game. Don't remember much of it at all. Yeah. But uh, Purdue barely escaped with a 21-19 win. Of course, uh, then fast forward to 2011 when we ended up finishing <laughs> that home-and-home and, home and we came up short at Rice. So yeah. that home-and-home home was I'll say it was disastrous for Purdue. Yeah. I mean, getting a two-point home win and then losing on the road. Yep. Yeah. I didn't so. even watch that. 2011 game was like the day before my birthday, and I was at a, going to a, a concert in Indianapolis at the time, and yeah, I didn't watch it, and thank God I didn't. You had a lot more fun at that conference. That, that conference. <laughs> I remember the first player game, O.J. Ross deep, Caleb Turbush missed him. It was a walk-in touchdown. <laughs> all downhill after that, we had a yeah. kick to win the game, and it got blocked. So yeah, yeah, that's all. I, it was on CBS Sports Network, so I'd go to Wings, etc., to watch the game. Mm. Yep. So, and then uh, the following week after Rice, uh, Purdue lost a heartbreaker up at Notre Dame, thirty-one to thirty. It was a last-second field goal by the Irish. It wouldn't be the last time Purdue lost a heartbreaker with Drew Brees under center up at Notre Dame Stadium. So uh, Joe Tiller off on the wrong foot there as. as the first time being an opposing coach at Notre Dame. Uh, then Purdue kind of struggled here a little bit, lost at Wisconsin 31-24, then lost at Penn State 31-13. But then they got hocked and won their last five regular season games, setting up a return trip to the Alamo Bowl where they're going to face number four Kansas State, mm-hmm. who had just lost, I think, their last regular season game where they would have been playing for the national championship. Yeah. And Purdue upsets them, upsets Kansas yeah, State. Talking to my dad, he always I mean, Kansas State didn't even want to be there. You could just tell that they, you know, they were mad that they missed out on a chance of a title. So it was kind of perfect storm for Purdue. Kind of like what we thought was going to happen at the Music City Bowl a couple years ago, but that wasn't the case. <laughs> yeah, we we were feeling a little overconfident as fans going into that one, but uh, I mean, Purdue fan, Purdue fans will never forget the Drew Brees, Isaac Jones. Mm-hmm. And that whole drive that, I mean, that, I mean, Purdue fans and Big Ten fans at that point already knew Drew Brees was a stud in his sophomore mm-hmm. campaign, but that's when the nation, Drew Brees said hello to the whole college football world. Yep. And here's a few images for everybody listening to this podcast. You need to go check out the video portion because I'm sharing some images throughout the years as we go on here. And a lot of them from Golden Black Illustrated. Yep. This is the. Football media guide from going into 1998. Cool picture of Roosevelt Colvin and a picture of Joe with with the shillelagh, the cannon, the bucket, and the oh, Alamo Bowl trophy. And then a picture of the fans after they rushed the field against Michigan State. And here's another cover, a golden black cover of uh, Drew Brees way through for a school record at the time, 522 yards and six yeah. touchdowns. In a 56 to 21 win against Minnesota, and Drew looks like a young boy. <laughs> he's a kid there. Yes, he Man. is. Scary. Yeah, well, he's younger than what we are now. Look, look at that crowd back there. Not a, not a seat yeah. to be seen. And then I really like this cover here. This is a really cool one. Well, that was cool. 52 to seven win against Indiana with the bucket and the band in the background. So pretty neat. So back-to-back Alamo Bowl wins for Purdue. They end up with a 9-4 record, ranked 24th. So two nine-win seasons in a row, two seasons they end up ranked. 
The momentum's flying high for the Boilers. Expectations are rising. Drew Brees is now going to be a junior. Mm-hmm. You, got, you got Chris Daniels as a senior, Vinny Sutherland as a junior. All those linemen I talked about at the start of the mm-hmm. podcast, juniors, older. This should be the year the program takes the next step. And starts off on a good note as I share the cover here real quick. Drew's on the cover mm-hmm. with along with the great history of the cradle of quarterbacks. At Purdue, I thought that was a pretty cool cover. Yeah. And the season starts off with a good note as uh, Drew Brees and the boys knock off Notre Dame at home. I'm pretty sure. I can't confirm nor deny, but I'm pretty sure this was my first Purdue game. I know I you've always it, said that. So I, I thought, believe it was on my birthday. And I, that's that's the game I remember my first, you know, uh, Memory, memory. Okay, pretty for, and basically all I remember is Notre Dame running out and people booing. And that's all I remember. I don't remember the Drew Brees was a two point conversion. Was that is that what he did? Two yeah, he, he did that like flip. Yeah, in the end zone. don't remember that, but yeah, I'm pretty sure this is my first game. I'm gonna say it was because it's really it was a hell of a game. So my dad can't confirm or not either. So we'll go with Purdue that. came up with a big defensive stand at the end of that game to win and Notre Dame ran out of time. That was Joe Tiller against Bob Davey, which Bob Davey was actually Purdue's number one choice when they got Joe Tiller. They mm-hmm. were actually, Bob Davey was their number one candidate, but he took the Notre Dame job. So I don't know if Purdue ever offered him the job anyways. Mm-hmm. Might have already been off the market, but I think Purdue ended up on the good end of that deal anyways. Yep. So, and then uh, after, after the good start to season, Purdue, Hit some road bumps, losing the teams that over these these next few years you're gonna get accustomed to losing. At number four, Michigan, 38 to 12. At number 21, Ohio State, but in a close one, 25-22. Uh, then they came back at home and beat number five ranked Michigan State, 52-28. So Saban's still a coach then. 99, yep. 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 Dang. So think think of that gauntlet. At number four, Michigan. At number 21, Ohio State. Then at home against Michigan State. Then the next week, you welcome number two, Penn State, in which Penn State had LeVar Arrington, Courtney Brown, some of the best pass rushers ever to play together in college yeah. football history, let alone Big Ten history. So and uh, a Big Ten East team now. They got the better of Drew that day, but a close one again, 31-25. So that's, that's one knack I kind of have on Tiller's teams is – they lost a lot of close games, but it's yeah. better to lose close games, I guess, than to get blown out. But it's always yeah. you look back what could have been kind of in a few of these scenarios. And then Purdue would lose one more game before they got to the postseason. That was two number 10 Wisconsin at home, 28-21. So you had another. So that's three close close uh, losses to ranked teams right there. Mm-hmm. And then they lost the Outback Bowl, which we talked about when we interviewed Travis Dorsch. Mm-hmm. A couple weeks ago, in which Purdue was up twenty-five to zero at halftime, lost twenty-eight to twenty-five in overtime. Finished the year seven and five, but they did finish the year ranked twenty-fifth. So mm-hmm. three years in a row, Purdue, and it ranked. But that was kind of a Tiller's first letdown season, I guess you could mm-hmm. call it. I still made a nice bowl, New Year's Day bowl, and it would have been. I mean, my dad was talking the other night that that might be the one game he wishes he could. Reverse the outcome in Purdue football history, even though it was just really? a bowl game, was that one. That one just ate at him for a long time. Interesting. Okay. So, so and, and I got to share this cover. I thought this was a cool cover heading into the Outback Bowl. 
I remember little, that cover. Little yeah. Top Gun action there, yeah. soaring into 2000 with Drew once again looking like a boy. <laughs> uh, so Purdue's heading into the year 2000. This is, I mean, expectations are probably as high as they've been in Purdue football history yeah. for a long time. Everybody's old, experienced. Yeah. This is the last time you have Drew Brees under center. He's coming off. I believe he finished either fourth or fifth in the Heisman Trophy race his junior year. So, of course, he's got to be a preseason candidate, preseason favorite by some. You know who uh, won the Heisman his junior year? Ron Dane won in 99. Okay. Yep. Uh, Big Ten running back. Yep, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Um, and this is by far my favorite uh, media guide cover. And I love the motto, yeah, the, the good, good guys. guys. Family's yeah. everything. Yep. And you got Joe Tiller up kind of above Ross State Stadium looking yeah. down on that's Matt Light, Brandon Gordon, Brandon Gorin, Drew Brees, Gene Mur- Mur- Murkowski, I can't pronounce the last name, <laughs> and Chucky Kobe. All four of those linemen played multiple years in the NFL. I remember they uh, they kind of brought this back. I think I think we were in school. They brought back kind of a retro. retro at that point, it was retro. Um, yeah, yeah, your shirt. And I I know Mm -hmm. I I bought a good guy shirt. I think it even had, it had a rose on the, on the sleeve. Because it was the 10th year anniversary. Right. Yep. 10 was. Yep. So it was, yeah, right right when, were you in college at that point? Yeah. Yeah. It was my freshman year. So I was a senior in high school. So we wore the, uh, we wore the uh, Rose Bowl helmets and uniforms against Minnesota the day Robbie tore his knee. Let's not talk about it. Yep. Nope. Nope. We're going to have enough. Heartbreak to talk about about eventually (laughs) on this podcast anyways. So uh, uh, I thought I had this one really cool cover loaded, and now I'm not finding it. Mm. I'll have to share that another time, but it was – oh, that makes me mad. I had a cool black and gold cover for this one, but I'm I'm not finding it. I must have not saved it, so I apologize. But, uh, yeah, Purdue's season didn't start off like they wanted to. Start off – couple weeks in with a loss at number 21, Notre Dame, 23-21. So Drew goes 0-2 in his career at Notre Dame Stadium, two close losses. And on that day, Notre Dame's quarterback was a converted tight end who was technically hmm. their third-string quarterback. So then uh, two weeks later after that, they lost at Penn State, 22-20. to That was a game that had a lot of special teams mishaps, hmm. like a few of them had happened at Notre Dame. Um, so Purdue's already starting off season two and two, and mm-hmm. this was supposed to be the year that the stars align. This was mm-hmm. supposed to be the year they win a Big Ten title, maybe even more. Mm-hmm. Not the not the start Purdue once. Then they find some themselves down at a twenty eight to ten hole at halftime at home against number six Michigan. But. Things turn around. Purdue comes from behind and wins the game 32-31. Travis Dorsch is the hero that game. And Joe Tiller is quoted saying that uh, he had to get away from Dorsch after his first missed field goal because he's never been as close to assaulting a player as he was <laughs> that day. So, Oh, and I, I'm, I'm, I am off my game here uh, sharing these covers. I do have a cover here of uh, the Notre Dame loss. Says not again. Last second Notre Dame field goal dooms Purdue. I love those jerseys. Those white jerseys. Yeah, I like the black ones too. But I really like the 
those those white ones. And so all these covers, aside from it being champion brand, I like that for Nike to bring those. Back. And, and champion was the brand back in the day, man. But yeah, I don't even know if they're. I don't even know if they're still in existence anymore. I but uh, I do all. I love these gold and black covers. I mean, it makes yeah. me miss the printed publications. I, I used to look forward to them all the time. Mm-hmm. They did a great and still do a great job. Oh yeah. And, and most of these covers I'm taking are from Alan Carpick did a uh, look back on the 30 years they were doing print covers and stuff. So year by year, but some of them I had and took my own pictures. So mm-hmm. I do have a little collection, but after a uh, Purdue beat, Michigan, it was really a historical, uh, it's probably the most memorable month in Purdue football history that October of the year 2000. Because after they beat Michigan, they won at number 17 Northwestern, 41 28. Then they went up to Wisconsin and won a thrilling 20 or 30 to 24 victory in overtime, which was capped off with a big sack by Aiken Odell in overtime, sent up field goal, which was blocked by, I believe, Craig Terrell blocked it and Ashante Woodward picked it up and ran it in. And I, I just remember the scene of the whole team running down to that end zone where he mm-hmm. scored and just toppling on top top of them. And, and Joe Tiller after the game saying, great win for Purdue, but uh, just win one more. And that's what he kept saying every week, just win one yep. more and take it one game at a time. Mm-hmm. So they realized that's what they had to do. So then Purdue returned home to face number 12, Ohio State, in which – you can go back and forth with another Ohio State game that happened in 2018. That's probably yeah. the most memorable Purdue game of the 2000s yeah. so far. Um, Purdue was up a majority of the fourth quarter after trailing by 10 going into that fourth quarter. Drew threw a bad pick. Ohio State gets the lead by three. And then uh, the pass, as mm-hmm. it's called, in uh, Purdue amongst Purdue football fans. Uh, Drew Brees hits Seth Morales with two minutes left in the fourth quarter to take a 31 to 27 lead. And that would be your final, the fix it, man. The cover of golden black says is, um, is it wasn't the, wasn't the story that after Brisa pick, I think it's in that, uh, it's in the big April. 10 elite. I'm trying yeah. to think of the, um, he talks about how he threw the pick and he essentially tackled the, the guy who picked it off. And he said, he was, Mike Doss. was trying to knock himself out. Cause he was so mad. And then mm-hmm. I can't remember who came up to him, but essentially said, you know, you know, but your mama it. always tell you you broke it, yeah. you break it, you fix it. Fixed it, yep. And by golly, he did. You were at Drew, had, game, Drew had four four picks that game, but he had three mm-hmm. touchdowns. Yeah, this was my. Uh, I went to three games the Rose Bowl year. I went to Minnesota, Ohio State, and Indiana. So this was my mm-hmm. third Purdue football game, and I've never experienced Ross say that loud. I mean, they got yeah. loud the Tyler Trent game. Don't get me wrong, that was pretty pretty close, but Ross said was literally shaking after Morales yeah. caught that touchdown. So. Just a great win. Never forget it. So then Purdue goes up to East Lansing the next week. They can clinch the Big Ten. Everything's in their favorite. Not playing a Michigan State team that's not very good, and they just lay an egg. Lose 30-10. to 10. Joe Tiller's on record saying that was Drew Brees' most inaccurate game as a quarterback at Purdue. And really, Purdue's bumming on the way home, thinking they just lost their shot at the Rose Bowl. But then a uh, one-win Iowa team upsets Northwestern, putting Purdue back in a three-way tie for the Big Ten with Northwestern and Michigan, which Purdue has the tiebreaker since they beat both of them, setting up a bucket game on senior day, senior day of Mr. Drew Brees. You win, you go to Pasadena, you lose, and I don't even want to imagine what would happen <laughs> if they would have lost. But uh, 
Luckily, the Boilers took care of business. Front with the legs of Montreal Lowe, who scored four touchdowns mm-hmm. that game, 41 to 13. And this is probably my favorite Purdue football photo of yeah, all time. This needs to be a plaque somewhere, a statue, something. This needs to be, I mean, it already is immortal in Purdue football history, but it needs to be somewhere at Ross Aid. Yeah, that's, yeah, one of the coolest photos. Definitely one of my favorites, like you said, Tan. I still have my Drew Brees towel they gave out that game. A salute to oh, Drew yeah. Brees. It had yeah. his um, printed autograph, number 15. I should have brought it out for the show. I wasn't thinking. But yeah. uh, I remember Drew coming off the field when they took him out at the end and the place going nuts. And then the usher handed out roses to everybody. And I remember taking my rose home to my mom. And, yeah. man, I'm almost teared up thinking about that <laughs> because of, not, not that I gave it to my mom. I mean, I love my mom yeah. and all. But, uh, I mean – I was in. I was eight years old. Yeah. I didn't really know what it meant. And looking back, man, that was. Yeah, I mean, fantastic. I was. I was not that game, as far as I know. I don't remember if I do. If I was, um, but I mean, I was at the 2017 Big Ten uh, when we beat. We had to play Indiana to win the Big Ten, and that was pretty cool. Granted, they weren't. You know, that was Tom Green's last year. They weren't the best team, so it was kind of like it was just it was, you're happy to win. But winning the Big Ten championship was pretty cool. But I can't even imagine. You know, it's not like you're going to the final four if that happens. It's this is you're going to the granddaddy of them all. And yeah. Which the Rose Bowl is always gonna be special, but it was I think it was even more special back then because you oh, didn't yeah. have the four game playoff. playoff. Yeah. yeah. You had the BCS championship, and then so the ultimate prize for a big ten team in a in a pack ten at the time team was going to yep. the Rose Bowl. Yep. And um it was the second trip in school history, the first since Bob Greasy led Purdue there, won the big ten. I mean Yeah. Just incredible. I mean, the Tiller did what he set out to do, said he was going to do. That recruiting class that was dead, ranked dead last in 1997 when they arrived on campus did what they set out to do. Mm-hmm. But uh, then they traveled out to Pasadena. I know your dad was there. My parents were there. I remember watching it on TV, wishing I was there. <laughs> but, of course, I was just too young to go. Yeah, It's a good game against a really good Washington team. Purdue came up short 34-24, but uh, – I'm sure the fans would have loved to win that game. Don't get me wrong, but just yeah, getting that, there was the prize. Yeah, actually, kind of this game ran us uh, on our Twitter at, at Boiler Break Pod. Um, we had posted a uh, tweet yesterday about how we were going to record this episode and asked you guys what your favorite moments were the, of the Tiller era. And uh, Boiler Butter or at Boiler underscore Ray said that his one of his favorite moments or their favorite moments were. Uh, Tiller addressing the crowd at the Century Plaza in LA the night before the Rose Bowl. Still praying for a return trip before I die. Same. Side note, Joe turned Ross State Stadium into a loud home field advantage. At one point, I believe he was 19-3 and at home, like it should be. And he also uh, adds on saying, uh, while Joe gets a ton of credit for revolutionizing Big Ten football offensively, he gets a little credit for the boatload of defensive talent he brought here from all over the country. Uh, those late 90s, early 2000s teams could hold their own with anyone. Speed, skill, tenacity. Absolutely. Brock's back, which we'll get into covering in more detail here in a little bit. Yeah. Great defensive coordinator. And, yeah, you look at the defensive talent. You know, everybody, everybody looks to the quarterbacks or the offensive weapons Tiller had. But you think start thinking of some of the defensive players he coached. Um, Roosevelt Colvin. Of course, that wasn't his recruit, but he inherited him when he got on right. campus for two years. Um, and you got linemen like Craig Terrell. Aiken Adele, Sean Phillips, um, 
struggling with linemen. I know there's more linemen. Ray, Ray Edwards turned into Ray Edwards Ray. later on. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking of all the linebackers: Landon Johnson, Joe Odom, Nico Kudavides, Gilbert Gardner. Yeah. Um, Devin's back. You had Antoine Rogers, uh, Ralph Turner, Stu Swaggart, of course, um, Bernard Pollard later on. And we'll, and we'll get in. We'll, we'll get into yeah. talking Jock Reeves. We'll get into talking yep. about a lot of them here because we're going to talk about some defense here in the next couple of teams. But, uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, well said. Um, he he doesn't get enough. Uh, Joe doesn't give enough credit for being a great evaluator of of talent. Mm-hmm. And Drew Brees was, I believe, a two star in high school. Gilbert Gardner wasn't even starred. Ends up starting really? most of his career at Purdue, and then had a fine NFL career. Yeah. Wow. He would recruit tight ends like Matt Light and turn them into linemen. Of linemen, yep. He liked to get them that way because it was hard to compete. It still is to recruit with other Big Ten schools for linemen. Oh yeah, so, you, you go. You get. You could go after kids who's getting offers from Iowa, Wisconsin. I mean, especially. I mean, those when they're just mm-hmm. factories into the NFL. It's. I mean, it's hard, especially Wisconsin. So <laughs> you, you got to get. And that's again where he gets to the where Purdue's always kind of been. You have to be. Creative in order to be successful, and that's where we we saw Tiller really be successful. And then obviously with Joe, with uh, Jeff Brom uh, doing that as well. Um, it's just you know it's, it's so important, and definitely he doesn't get enough credit for. Yep. So then Purdue's heading into the 2001 season, kind of unfamiliar territory. Now they're not the Hunters; they're the Hunted as the defending mm-hmm. Big Ten champions. No more Drew Brees. It's the Brandon Hans era. Retro freshman Brandon mm-hmm. Hans. Yeah, and here's two covers I want to show. Like this cover, armed to defend. It says you got Joe Odom making a Dell and Stuart Swagger with a Big Ten championship behind him. Boilermakers hope to put D in title defense. And then here's another cool one of Golden Black, Spack Attack. Defense might be different mm-hmm. in early going, and you have Sean Phillips there, Matt Mitrione, Craig Terrell, Stu Swagger making a Dell, Gilbert Gardner. I believe that's Shante Woodyard, Landon Johnson, Joe Odom. I can't, I can't tell who those other guys are on the back there. Yeah. But good looking group. And Absolutely. this would be the last year that Purdue would wear these uniforms, mm-hmm. the old uh, gold and black uniforms. But uh, I gotta admit, two thousand and one was one year that's kind of fuzzy in my memory as far I, as Purdue I don't football. remember. I remember Brandon Hans, but. That's about it. I, don't, I can't tell you a game or anything. I remember really. bits and pieces. Of course, nine eleven happens the week yeah. of the Notre Dame game. That's right. So Notre yeah. Dame game gets rescheduled for December, which yeah. is the last time Purdue played a football game in December until hopefully this year. It's on yep. the schedule. Hopefully we get there. Um, but we're talking about the past tonight, not not the present. Uh, but Purdue started off hot in 2001. They started off 4-0. They won at Cincinnati. I do remember watching that on TV. Stuart Swagger had the game ceiling interception, 19-14. They beat Akron the week before, September 11th, 33-14. I was at that game, and I remember the backup, true freshman Kyle Orton, came out in, in mop-up duty and absolutely showed off his gun. And my dad goes, <laughs> He's going to be in contention for Heisman by the time he graduates. A little crystal ball action there, I think. What is that? Uh, we also won at Minnesota in overtime. I do remember this game. 35-28 is the miracle in the Metrodome. Thanks to Travis Doris's leg. Mm-hmm. And Brandon Hans working him down the field with 30 seconds to go, I believe, from the three-yard line to give him in the field goal range. 
and beat Northwestern 32-27. So Purdue, yeah, hot. Started out hot, 4-0. Then they uh, lost to – or excuse me, they beat Iowa 23-14, then lost at number 12 Michigan 24-10. Imagine that, another loss of the big house. Then they beat Northwestern 32-27. So they're 5-1. and one. Then they lost to number 21 Illinois. I remember watching bits of that game. That was an Illinois team led by Kirk Kittner. Um, Ron Turner was their head coach. This was the Illinois team that made a Sugar Bowl that year. Okay. Lost the LSU. This was a good Illinois team. They lost, uh, which is rare to say. They lost 38-13. to 13, <laughs> Then lost Ohio State 35-9. to 9. Then they beat Michigan State 24-14 to 14 to be bowl eligible. Then they had a bucket game, which wouldn't be their last regular season game since the Notre Dame game got rescheduled. They lost the bucket game at, down at Indiana 13-7 in a game that was literally a monsoon. Mm-hmm. And Kyle Orton was the quarterback at this time. I believe they made the quarterback switch. It might have been after that loss to Ohio State, if I'm not mistaken. They made it a couple weeks earlier than yeah. that. So um, Purdue, I remember, had it first and goal with a chance to take the lead and couldn't get in on four tries late in the fourth quarter. Lost 13-7 in Antoine Randall-L's last game as a Hoosier. And I believe that was Cam Cameron's last game as the head coach of Indiana, I believe. Then, so Purdue travels back to Ross-Aid for a rare December game, senior night night game against uh, Notre Dame. Lost 24-18, which would be Bob Davies' last game. He was fired after that game because that Notre Dame team did not make a bowl. And then Purdue... Found themselves in the Sun Bowl against Washington State and lost a heartbreaker 33-27 to end the season at 6-6. Six and six. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah I remember covered, bits and pieces that year. That. but Yeah, we covered some of that with Travis Dorsch in a previous interview. You guys go check it out. He definitely had some thoughts. I mean, that was probably what he says his best season, but mm-hmm. just wasn't – team-wise, wasn't, wasn't the best. So then Purdue's coming back for the 2002 year. Need to, need to have a bounce-back year. And a few different changes around the program. New uniforms. Gold uniforms are debuted. And Purdue starting construction on their brand new press box, which at the time was going to be one of the biggest in the country. Yep. And as that, you know, I thought this was a pretty cool title. The House Tiller Belt, Can He Take Program to the Higher to higher Level? That was kind of getting the question coming around. You know, Purdue fans were starting to get a little greedy already. Yeah. So yeah, remember when we talked about adding an upper deck to Rossi? Yep. <laughs> oh, man. Can you imagine that from 2013 to 2016? It would have been tarped off like the Raiders yeah. used to tarp yeah. off their stadium. God. So that, that was a cool cover, and as was this one with Rossi ready, and you had Landon Johnson, Nico Kudavides, and Joe Odom. See, I think the jerseys look cool in photos, but then you got them on the field and you couldn't read the white numbers. No, I mean, I had uh, my first pretty football jersey was a Drew Brees jersey, probably like most kids our age. Uh, I'm a Billy Dickens. That's, <laughs> that's true. What size adult medium that went down to your feet? No, that was a Drew Brees. No, that was my, a Drew Brees. Okay. My first actual jersey was Billy Dickens, but yeah. the Drew Brees my dad got me when I was seven. No, eight. I was eight. It was the, it was adult small. But it was the only size they had left on campus. The only size left they had on campus. So do you fit into adult small now? 
you know, my mom wears that at her school for like Jersey Day once in a while. Yeah. I probably could fit into it if I really wanted to, but it would be I, pretty uh, tight. I had a Drew Brees jersey. I remember just kind of a side note. Uh, I don't remember what game it was. I just remember uh, going to the you know the players would always walk to the locker room after the game, and mm-hmm. people would mob. You know, the, they'd form a line and get high fives, get you know any gloves, wristbands, whatever it might be. Um, I got a high five from Drew Brees. I'm probably seven, eight years old. And I'm pretty sure my dad was more excited than I was. And the guy was just in shock at the time because it was just, you know, that was that was the guy. At he the was time. the man. He was the man. Still is. Yes. Um, yeah, I, I had a, going back, bringing back to this conversation with the jerseys, I had a uh, Kyle Lord in 18 with that golden. white. I still have it. I'm pretty sure it still fits me. Um, God, they were ugly, in my opinion. I hated them. <laughs> that was probably – I knew a lot of kids around our age that were Purdue fans that had that jersey. That was probably the most yep. popular Purdue jersey I could ever remember people yep. wearing. Yep. Yep. So, so yeah, quick note on Drew Brees. You were talking about getting mobbed like, mm. in the line. Um, the head manager at Purdue, Michael Shandrick, he used to tell a story, and he's been the head manager since Tiller was there. Still mm. is right now to this day, but uh, – he used to say they had to take Drew Brees out a different exit of the locker room, and usually a security guard would go with him just so. So the rest I'm of the team would, about. after the games, get dressed and exit out one yeah. side. He would go a different way. Talking about a 20, 21-year-old kid. Can you imagine that? No, I can't. At least social media wasn't around and all that yeah. then, but still. Yeah. still. So the 2002 era, like we said, can the program reach the next level? And this is when the defense started to get really experienced and should be the focal point of the team. You got Craig Terrell as a junior, Sean Phillips as a junior, uh, Landon Johnson as a junior, Nico Cudivides as a junior, Gilbert Gardner as a junior, Joe Odom as a senior, Stuart Swaggart as a junior, Jock Reeves as a junior, Ralph Turner as a senior, um, Antoine Rogers as a sophomore. Those are some studs right there. I remember remember, talking throwback the Jumbo Hero days. Uh, I remember having all those cards, thinking they were the yep. coolest thing. Yeah, those. I mean, most of those names, if not all of them, you named played in the NFL. So, yep, says it tells you something. That's about the time Purdue introduced the uh, intro video with "When Worlds Collide" by Power, Power Man Five Thousand, and pumped that in my veins right now. It still gets me pumped up to this <laughs> oh, day. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, that's still like the intro song. Like nothing compares to those videos. Oh, that, I wish like, they'd bring it back. Yeah, a friend of ours and fellow Purdue grad uh, from Rochester, Mike Rossum, like even still, like that's our song to get the pumped up football games. Like, Fantastic. it's it's yeah, bring it back. You mentioned Travis Dorsch earlier, who we had the privilege of interviewing. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, go back and uh, give that a watch or a listen. I think it's definitely worth your time. I think you'll enjoy hearing his stories about his time at Purdue. He had a fantastic 2001 season, won the Ray Guy Award for mm-hmm. the best punter in the country. Well, now there's no Travis Dorsch, so they have nope. to replace him with a new kicker, new punter. Uh, Aaron Levin, or Levine, I don't know how exactly you pronounce that name. And uh, Baron Sevek, he was a foreign player, were the two that kind of handled the kicking and punting duties early in 2002. And, of course, Kyle Orton was the returning starting quarterback. Could he become a big-time Big Ten quarterback was the question. Mm-hmm. Uh, Purdue lost out early in the season. Get this at Notre Dame. 
Number 23 ranked Notre Dame. I was at this game. This was my first Notre Dame Stadium experience. Still haven't I, been up there. Uh, you need to go next year. I know. You need to I go. Um, Anthony Chambers, I remember, returned a punt for a touchdown. He was a pretty good little punt returner for Purdue, junior college transfer. Uh, two weeks later after that loss to Notre Dame, we lost at home to Wake Forest 24-21. I remember one of those two kickers, I don't remember which one, had a 40-some yard to tie it, and he missed it short. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Purdue would go on to beat Minnesota 28-15, but then lost at Iowa 31-28, lost at Illinois 38-31 in overtime, lost at number 11 Michigan 23-21, so almost got them at home but lost to them. One at Northwestern, 42-13. Lost to number three, Ohio State, 10-6 at home in the Holy Buckeye game. Mm-hmm. Mm, Michael Jenkins on fourth and one over the shoulder. I don't know how Craig Krenzel made that pass to this day with the wind over yeah. the shoulder of Antoine Rogers there. I believe we just like all out blitzed them, didn't we? Yeah, we did. And, and the, the wind took that ball. If you watch the replay, it, yeah. I don't know. It was just meant to be. I mean, they ended up winning the national title over the Miami, Miami Hurricanes. Hurricanes. Yep. Um, was there pass interference? I don't know. But uh, yeah, that was a heartbreaker. The first uh, that Joe Tiller would experience against Ohio State. And a common theme that year was quarterback controversy. This is the first time. There kind of been some questions. Uh, Orton got a little banged up once in a while. We had mm-hmm. a freshman named Brandon Kirsch. So Good they're trying to figure out who's going to finish the 2002 season as the season was going on. Um, after that Ohio State loss, uh, Purdue would bounce back in a thrilling win at Michigan State that saw Brandon Kirsch starting the game. He got banged up. Kyle Orton had to come off the bench, cold off the bench. I mean, yeah. did not have much time to warm up. And made a one of the I think most underrated plays in Purdue football history. He really threw a prayer down the sideline to John Staniford in a bomb I as they won, and that got them all eligible. I forgot about those jerseys. Yeah, those yeah. road ones are not good. Not a, not a fan. Those are worse than those home ones. Those <laughs> home goals. So, so that's uh, Purdue with five wins, needing to win the bucket mm-hmm. to get the bucket back and become bowl eligible. And the Boilers did just that, stomping the Hoosiers thirty-four. To 10. Love that photo. Back where it belongs. Bull streak alive after IU ROM. Because, yeah, so far the Boilers haven't missed that bull yeah. under Joe Tiller. And then they would go to the Sun Bowl again, back to back years, and play Washington, rematch two years later from the Rose Bowl. And coincidence has it, the score would be 34 24. The same score it was in the Rose Bowl, but the outcome reversed. Purdue came out on top. So Purdue ended the season 7-6. and six. And I thought I had the uh, – I must not upload that cover either. It was a cover of Golden Blacks had good as gold mm-hmm. until his hands were up in the air because it was his yeah. first bowl win since the second Alamo Bowl mm-hmm. 98. So so really for a season that was eh, ho-hum, Purdue ended on a good note winning their last yep. three, taking some momentum into 2003 – which I will go to my grave as of right now. <laughs> as of right now, yeah. That's <laughs> saying that this was Joe Tiller's most talented team. Yeah. Or I will go to my grave saying that was Joe Tiller's most talented team because yeah, 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 yeah. Not gonna yeah. have any more teams. I but thought you were going somewhere else for a second. I was, yeah. and then I, yeah, backtracked yeah. and said something a little more intelligent. So, 
But uh, this this roster this roster is loaded, especially mm-hmm. on defense. Here's a cover step up time for the seniors. You know, I, I like this version of those gold jerseys. They changed the numbers from white bad. to black. Those weren't bad. Yeah, not great. Not a fan of the the gold. I don't. That's not even gold in my opinion. But yeah, it's more Georgia Tech gold. Yeah, but um, you can just yeah. yeah. There's a lot of good defensive players that were seniors in that 03 class. Yeah, and of course you got this gold and black cover here. Dynamic duo: John Stanford, Joey Harris, which. A few weeks after this, Joey Harris was ruled ineligible. I think it was academic related. Mm-hmm. So Purdue didn't get one of the fastest guys in the country who they were relying on to be their starting running back. That was kind of a blow right before the season started. Yep. And the 03 season started with a blunder. A yep. home loss to Bowling Green, 27-26. I was at that game after I ran a middle school cross-country meet, so it was just a terrible day. <laughs> um I remember that game. I remember a freshman 6'10 wide receiver, Kyle Ingraham. Mm-hmm. Ingram, Kyle Ingram, not Ingraham. Ingram uh, kind of touched down that game. I thought he was really going to be a force throughout his Purdue career. He had some good moments, but actually didn't finish his career at Purdue. And I believe Taylor Stubblefield did not play this game. Okay. I think he was hurt. I, I was not at this game, but I remember – it wasn't even on TV either. I think like we had to like use the antenna to watch it or something. But yeah, I remember I couldn't really watch it. Yeah, it was it was a bummer. I mean, this is the yeah. team that's supposed to be the most talented team, easily the most talented team since the 2000 Rose Bowl team. Mm-hmm. And like I said, I think it was more talented when you look back on it. Yeah. But they lose right away to a max school, right start yep. of the year at home. That's not supposed to happen. So then Purdue's got a uh, uh, trip out east to play Wake Forest ending that home-and-home series with Wake. This is a number 20-ranked team, though. A little different team that beat Purdue the year before. But Purdue comes out with a nice win, 16-10. to uh, Stuart Swaggart, I believe, had a huge fourth-down stop in that game. And then uh, Purdue would welcome Arizona to Ross-Age Stadium. Um, they kind of got the crowd pumped up during this. I was not at this game, but I, I remember game. listening to it on the radio. They came out in warm-ups with the Golds. Yep. Back to the locker room, to their surprise, there was a new set of uniforms waiting for them. ACDC's back in black. I remember hits, this. Hits this the so cool. uh, PA system, and they come roaring out. The black jerseys are back. Back in yep. black with a sack. 59-7 wow. win for the Boilers, a route of the Wildcats. I remember, yeah, being at that game, uh, people sitting around us who were, I believe, also from – our hometown, they, it was kind of like we were just people were fired up to have the black jerseys back, and they're staying for a reason. Yep, gold has been back since. I still wouldn't mind a gold alternate if it's old gold or some sort, but we'll see. I mean, we got gray alternate, so we can debate this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Evan's not a fan of the gold uniforms, people. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> uh, and then Notre Dame welcomed the Irish, the Fighting Irish, in the town for ABC game. Mr. Brady Quinn's first career start. And I was at the I was fortunate enough to be at this game. I remember the defense just teed off on him all day long. Intercepted him a couple times, made him eat the grass. Uh Purdue won this game 23 to 10. Nice little cover. Irish yep. dude. I remember this cover. Boiler defense gets it done. So then Illinois was up next. Purdue routed them 43 to 10. 
And then they uh, beat Penn State 28-14. I believe that was Purdue's first victory over Penn State. It was definitely Tiller's first victory over Penn State as Purdue head coach. And then they uh, – I can't read my notes. Um, I can't read my notes. Tanner has great handwriting for those. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know who they beat. <laughs> oh, they won at Wisconsin. That was on game yes, day. Yes. Last time right. we beat Wisconsin. Yeah, Ben Jones. 63 or 26-23 victory. Yep. Ben Jones, late field goal, beat I Wisconsin. Was actually in Lafayette or Lafayette area. I was on a like a Cub Scout like retreat or something and uh, listening to it on the radio and just being absolutely pumped that we beat Wisconsin. Oh, it was huge. I remember uh, Orton made a great pass to uh, Ray Williams Jr. Yep. and then set up Ben Jones for the field goal, and that was called game day. And game day still is – I mean, it's always been a big show. It still is a big show, but uh, that was Purdue's first appearance I'd ever seen them. I think it was their first appearance, even being a yep. way opponent on game day because I don't eh, – maybe the Rose Bowl year, maybe it's somewhere, but we definitely didn't host it. Yeah. That year, but uh, still to this day, the last time we've beat the Badgers, unfortunately, we're due. But um, yeah, and then Purdue, I remember this game very well. Purdue is ranked number 10 in the nation. They were six and one, ranked number 10 at number 13, Michigan at the big house, 31 to three loss. I remember Purdue couldn't do nothing, it was embarrassing. Michigan was just throwing them around like rag dolls. Yeah. Then they would bounce back and beat Northwestern 34-14. Beat at number 10 Iowa on senior day, 27-14. I remember Purdue used to allow people to go on the field after games, yeah. after, at least after senior day. So I, I I went out and played catch with my cousin on the field, kicking field goals, having a great old time. Yeah. Life couldn't get better. Yeah. Um, uh, I remember Anthony Chambers had a good touchdown that game. And then set up a huge matchup at number four Ohio State. Kind of whoever won this game was in in the driver's seat at least to probably go to Pasadena to clinch a share of the Big Ten, if not the Big Ten title. And came out on the short stick, 16-13 loss in overtime. And this one, I know a lot of people want a certain game where we're going to talk about a little bit in 4 back, but this is one that really hurts to this day. A missed field goal by Ben Jones, a slip by John Staniford that would have been a touchdown that would have won the game and fell short. I mean, that was just a back-and-forth battle. Seems like we lose a lot of heartbreakers in the horseshoe. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that place. But um, Purdue would bounce back the next week and beat Indiana 24-16. That's my only trip to Memorial Stadium down there. I remember a running back named Ben Jarvis Green-Ellis running all over our defense when <laughs> nobody would run on our defense like that. Right. He ended up going to Ole Miss, being a pretty good back, and had a few years in the NFL. So then we made it to the Capital One Bowl, facing a familiar foe in Georgia. Lost another tough overtime bowl game to Georgia, 34-27. Like, I remember Kyle Orton getting banged up. Yeah. He broke a finger and, I believe, a couple ribs in this game. Brandon Kirsch was redshirting this year. Yeah. So Kyle Smith, who had came to Purdue as a quarterback and then got converted to safety, had to come in for a couple plays as the emergency quarterback because they didn't want to pull the redshirt on Brandon Kirsch. Yeah. Purdue loses that bowl game. So ends up with the year nine and four, ranked number 18 in the country. Solid year, but oh, what could have been? 
so yeah. close from being back to Pasadena for the second time in four years. I remember that. I remember that Capital One game pretty vividly, partly because I had a cousin who, for whatever reason, lived in Illinois, but he liked Georgia. I don't know why, but it was kind of like, because it was, you know, we had just had Christmas. So, you know, we were young, you know, talking crap to each other at Christmas. And I wanted the bragging rights. Um, I remember just being so mad after that game. That's what I remember just being very upset after that game. Well, I, I don't remember real well, but what I do remember is Purdue got behind and then stormed back, rallied back, a fierce comeback, and then yeah. forced overtime and then just couldn't get it done. So, so if Purdue's ever to play Georgia again in the bowl game, it's probably going to go to overtime yeah. in dramatic fashion. So, so that brings us to the year 2004. Hmm. Little, uh, yes, I took that photo. <laughs> uh, it's autographed, uh, Kyle Warren Media Guide. As you see right there, it says, uh, senior quarterback Heisman Trophy candidate. Orton had some big expectations on him going into 2004. And they started as hot as I've ever seen a Purdue football team start. Started season 5 0, included a Sunday. Opener against Syracuse on ABC, 51-0. Labor Day weekend. Yep. Followed that up with a 59-7 win against Ball State, which Cowan was darn near perfect for that game in every statistical category imaginable. I'm pretty sure that's, at least from my memory, I'm pretty sure that's where the champ Ball State High School I believe you're right. came from, which would later backfire during certain years coming, but it was fun then. Yes. We never lost to Ball State in football. Didn't oh, I'm thinking? I'm sorry, I'm thinking Northern Illinois. My bad. Yeah, lost to them twice. Yeah, and which we'll discuss on future podcasts. But yeah, and we won at Illinois, thirty-eight to thirty, and then um, one of my probably, favorites. Yeah, this is probably one of my most memorable mo- Purdue games but, I ever attended. Yeah, 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 I was. I did not go to this game. I know you were. I watched it on TV. Probably in terms of positive memories for the Tiller era. Era. This was definitely. This one was just so sweet. Absolutely. It was uh, Purdue's first win in Notre Dame Stadium in a long, long time. I don't, I don't yeah. even recall. Um, it was Tiller's first win up there. 41-16. It was just domination. Purdue's offense was just rolling that day. Mm-hmm. Back in March or April, I don't know, sometime early when COVID started, I went back on YouTube and watched this whole game, and it was just as fun watching it as it was that yeah. day. Uh, Brady Quinn, Purdue made uh, Brady Quinn's life hell that day, mm-hmm. and Got the better of him and Tyrone Willingham again for a second year. And uh, Orton to Stubblefield for 97 yards, giving the boiler up, getting the flag. Glorious. A couple yeah, trick you, plays thrown in there. You were like right where Stubblefield ran to the end zone. You were pretty yes, I was. that. Yeah. I was second row in the end zone. Um, yeah. I got uh, some tickets from a Notre Dame alumnus. And, uh, that was great. I yeah. went back to Notre Dame Stadium after that game two other times and did not leave with that feeling. Yeah. So I'm one in three in Notre Dame stadium and, and watching Purdue up there. So, so after uh, the big win at Notre Dame, Purdue would go to happy Valley where they had never won in school history. I remember watching this. It was a whiteout. Yep. And Purdue came out with a victory 20 to 13. And I'm thinking, man, like this is our year. We're going to, we're going yeah. to do something <laughs> magical. This was yeah, they had you know Orton for Heisman teacher that was really at least for me that was like really I really knew what the Heisman was and like mm-hmm. what it meant and just seeing like going to a game and seeing the shirts at like the bookstore that was across from from Lambert that's no longer mm-hmm. there 
the gold mine. Yeah, the gold mine. Um, and uh, yeah, just like I mean, the I, I, I wish I could go back and kind of relive and kind of feel like what it really was. Because mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, I was I mean, that was two thousand four, so twelve years old. You know, not really getting the full grasp of, and definitely not appreciating it like I probably should have been. But man, that was that was fun until a certain game. I mean. I mean, it happens a lot of times when somebody gets in the driver's seat early in the season for Heisman and doesn't carry it all the way through. But he was in the driver's seat five weeks yep. through. If Heisman was inside that day, he would have ran away with it. Yep. He was. His stats were unbelievable. The team was playing well. The team was winning. They got up to number five in the nation going into a college game day matchup. The only time college game day for football has been on Purdue's campus with the Wisconsin Badgers. And this is one of the four at the time. They were number ten, so it was number it was, five against number ten. I thought it was four versus five for some reason. No, hmm, never didn't. Um, right. I'm pretty sure Lee Corso picked us to win this. Game. He did because there's that gift yeah, that yeah, Herfix hit him on the head with a hammer. Yeah, I remember watching that live that morning. I knew I was going to the game later that yeah, day, but that watching game. it live with one of my buddies who was an IU fan is an IU fan. So yeah, um, yeah, I still remember this vividly in my head. Being at that game, uh, yep. This horrible. I don't even know why I'm sharing this. But, <laughs> what are uh, you doing? <laughs> yeah, disaster strikes. Said uh, mistakes. Doom number five. Purdue as Kyle Orton had the probably had the first down if he slides. He was trying to get the extra yard. Um, didn't tuck the ball real well. Gets helicoptered up in the air and fumbles and shields. I believe it was his last name. Picked it up and ran it in for Wisconsin. Then Purdue blocks the extra point. Actually. And Kyle drives them down and gets them in field goal range, and Ben Jones missed a 47-yard field goal attempt that would take the game into overtime. And there was a pass that hit Dorian Bryant in the shoulder pad at the five-yard line. And so uh, people don't don't remember that. There was also a dropped interception by Kyle Smith earlier in the game that would have sealed it when Purdue was up 10 with six minutes left. So, I mean, of course – the word fumbles what's always going to be the big takeaway from that game, but uh, there was other opportunities too. So. Yep. And this would start a really hard slide for Purdue as they would lose at home the next week to number 13, Michigan, 16 to 14. Uh, another tough one. They're driving to get in field goal range and to have an attempted attempt at a game-winning field goal, and freshman Dorian Bryant got absolutely lit up. And fumbled there. He's in midair there. He's he got, like helicoptered. Like, if yeah. I remember correctly, that's the game too. And it's like, yeah, back to back weeks where he just like fumbles just killed us. Back to back losses by a combined five points to two really good ranked teams. Yep. Then the Boilers go at Northwestern, lose another heartbreaker 13 to 10. That was the last play of the game there. Taylor Stolfield has the ball in his hands and couldn't, couldn't come up with the catch. So the Boilers went from on top of the world to losing three in a row. And then I believe Orton got hurt this game. He either got hurt this game or maybe banged up against Michigan. It was one of those two. So Brandon Kirsch had to come in and fill fill in duty. So he, he's going up and um, that's uh, why am I blanking on Iowa Stadium's name? Kinnick. Kinnick, thank you. I, was, uh, I want to say Carver Hawkeye, and I knew that was their <laughs> basketball arena. But Kinnick Stadium, never kind of Purdue. Nope. And Iowa's ranked number 20. Lost 23-21. to 21. So four straight losses by combined three points, two points, three points, two points. Hmm. Just hard to stomach. And then the Boilers hosted Ohio State and came out victorious in this one. 
to uh, get him to eight straight bowl appearances, 24 to 17. Uh, Kyle Orton came off the bench. Brandon Kirsch gets, I don't know if he got injured or or just replaced. Those two are always filling in for yeah. each other. So Threw a game-winning touchdown to freshman Dustin Keller at the time. The ball killer. Yep. And then, so the Boilers are six and six wins uh, going into the last week, facing Indiana. Blowout, 63-24 romp. Looked like the offense they did the first five weeks. Yep. So then it was back to Sun Bowl again. Kyle Orton's third Sun Bowl appearance in four years. Came up on the short end, 27-24 to Arizona State. Yep. So season that started off 5-0 and with so much promise ended with 7-5 and record. What could have been? Yeah, the ultimate would have been probably. But a very memorable season. I mean, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's my mind very clear. That's we were talking kind of before we started recording. That, that, for me, that's probably the season I remember. I remember the most of. Like my my memory is probably the best in terms of the entire season. Uh, before then, was kind of a lot of bits and pieces, but that was the season where I remember pretty much the whole season for the most part. Yep. Yep. Fun season, nonetheless, but yeah. very frustrating. Yep. Too. So. Then comes 2005, Kyle Orton's graduates, Taylor Stubblefield's graduated. A lot of names Purdue fans have got accustomed to over the years graduated. But there's a lot of hype around this Purdue team. Mm-hmm. So much so that the Orlando Sun, or maybe the Orlando Sun-Times, I believe the newspaper was called, ranked Purdue number one in the preseason and had them as their national championship favorites. Don't remember that. Yep. <laughs> Purdue started the season ranked 13th. Um, right. I, I think they thought they had some experience on offense. You still had, you know, your running back stable. You had a quarterback that is now a redshirt junior, Plenty and of it's his team. It's yeah. his team now. Finally, he, he doesn't have to look over his shoulder any, anymore. Um, a lot of young young defense um, and some experience too. You got Bernard Pollard as a junior, Ray Edwards as a junior, um, Brandon Villarreal. I believe was still on that team. Mm-hmm. No, Rob Rob Nikovich was. I don't know about yep. Villarreal. Rob Nikovich, uh, young Anthony Spencer, or not young. He might have been a junior. He was a junior, I think, or sophomore that year. Junior. Yeah. Anyways, um, so a lot a lot of talent there is what I'm trying to say. Dustin Keller, sophomore. Yep. Dorian Bryant, sophomore. So a lot of talent. They start off beating Akron 49-24, then go out to Arizona. I remember this game was not televised in our area. We had a list to on the radio. Late at night, 31-24 win for the Boilers mm-hmm. there. And then I remember watching this one. This was a heartbreaker. At Minnesota, 42-35 double overtime loss. Hmm. And Purdue was up to number 11 in the country at that time. And then fell quite a bit in the rankings as Notre Dame was coming into town. It was uh, Brady Quinn's junior year, Jeff Samarja junior year, new coach Charlie Weiss had the Irish off the hot start. Ranked number 13th in the country. First night game Purdue had had, I believe, since 1996. Wow. Actual night game, I believe. West Virginia in 96. Because a lot of games would start at start in the evening yeah. and end at night, but under the lights. Notre Dame romped them, 49-28. Jeff Samarge had a one-handed catch, diving catch. I still see him yep. in my nightmare sometimes. Yep. And wasn't even close. Um Purdue kind of lost momentum when Gerard Void fumbled at the goal line, and the game never really was the same after that. Um, then Purdue's season kind of just went on a downward spiral. Lost uh, home against Iowa 34-17. Um, they, uh, let's see here, 
lost to Northwestern 34-29. I remember Brandon Kearse throwing a uh, interception on a potential game-winning drive and rolling on the ground like a kid, kicking his feet. I just remembered thinking how ridiculous he was. So then they go up to Wisconsin where they end up losing at number 19 Wisconsin, 31-20. But a retro freshman named Curtis Painter came in and took over midway. So the quarterback change happened. Brandon Kearse lost his job. The following week, Purdue would go to Penn State, lose 33-15, to 15, which put the dampers on trying to make a bowl. So for the first time in the Joe Till era, Purdue was not going to make a bowl. It seemed like I kind of took pressure off the team as they responded with wins over Michigan State at home 28-21, Illinois home 37-3, and then at Indiana 41-14. So they end up 5-7 and seven and definitely should have made a bowl. Too much talent yeah. on that team not to make absolutely. a ball. Absolutely. Very disappointing year. And a few other covers I forgot to share. Didn't have defensive ends, and it shows the eight bulls, Nikovich and Edwards and Spencer. Mm-hmm. And then Charles Davis with mm-hmm. all the bull rings right there. Always room for more. It says Boilers look to build on bull streak in 05, and it did not. So. No. So going into 2006, you have more experience on offense. You got – uh, junior Dorian Bryant, junior Greg Orton, junior Dustin Keller, uh, sophomore, the retro sophomore Curtis Painter. It's his team now. Got Corey Sheets. That's a sophomore. Um, on defense, you do they did lose Ray Edwards and Anthony and Ray Edwards and um, Bernard Pollard, jump pro, but Anthony Spencer's coming back for his senior year. So got some talent there. Started off hot which I feel like that's kind of a theme uh, under yeah. the Tiller team for most years. Beat Indiana State while wearing some throwback 1966 yep. jerseys, 60-35. Yep. to 35. Beat Miami, Ohio in Ross-Aid's first ever overtime game, 38-31. Big run by Corey Sheets in a big performance, four touchdowns, uh, propelled them to win that game. And then they beat Ball State, 38-28. Beat Minnesota, 27-21. So they're 4-0 heading up to Notre Dame. Number 12, Notre Dame, Brady Quinn's senior year. What happens? 35-21 loss to Notre Dame, but Selwyn Lyman did have over 200 yards that game. Yep. Great performance by him, but came up on the losing end. Then this is where this season got really frustrating. I forgot about these two games until I looked this season up. We were at home against number 21, Wisconsin, lost 24-3. I remember PJ Hill running all over Wisconsin or all over Purdue that day. He, Wait, Wisconsin running back running all over Purdue? Yep. Imagine that, right? Course, yeah. Because it, another thing I need to mention about 05 and 06, back then you always had two teams you didn't play. Yep. Kind of Those were the two years Purdue wasn't playing Ohio State or Michigan. Yep. So these were supposed to be the years they're supposed to take advantage. Yeah, this, yeah, this is take advantage of it. And... and then Purdue would host Penn State the following week after losing to Wisconsin. Lost to Penn State 12 to 0. So back-to-back weeks, you have three combined points. Yep. I remember being so frustrated. And, and, and you kind of started to wonder, has everybody kind of figured out Joe Tiller and his scheme? And I don't remember if this was the last year of Jim Chaney or if 2005 was. I remember he was there in 2005. But I want to say maybe that was his last year. So this was a brand-new office coordinator, I want right. to say. I could be incorrect on that, and I apologize if I am. But, um, yeah, that – I mean, back-to-back weeks with three points, not good anyway. Cut it. Um, 
So then after that, let's see here. Purdue did win at Michigan State 17-15. I remember a backup kicker, Casey Welch, made the game winning kick. I don't remember what happened to the starting kicker. But Casey had to come in and hit like a 21, 22 yarder. Don't I think it was the only pick of his career, and he made it. Game winning uh, kick. Pretty cool. To him. I remember my dad, I had some friends over for that game. You might have been over at my house. It was, I know, I know a good friend of the show, Thad Mooney was, and somebody else. I think it was mm-hmm. you. And I remember my dad cussing out. Sense. Yeah. And I think he cussed out Curtis Painter, and I was really embarrassed. <laughs> he told him, throw, throw the blanking ball or something yeah. like that. So, actually, yeah. I probably, I'm sure I was. I'm pretty sure it was you. Um, So after winning at Michigan State, we won at Illinois 42 31. And then we defeated Indiana. I think it's 28 10. I can't read my writing. It might be 28 14. And then we went to Hawaii. Still don't know why they scheduled this game. Lost 42 35 against a really good Hawaii team led by Colt Brennan that broke some NCAA records. Went to the BCS Bowl. I remember, Um, I think I had to watch that game. I think I watched it the next day because it was just on so late. Oh, God. It got over really early in the morning. Either that or like, or I might have sit and watched it. I can't remember. Maybe like I I was watching it and fell asleep or something with my dad and had to finish watching it the next morning. I don't remember. I just remember the broadcast was was very bizarre because it was it was local announcers and it just it was just oh, yeah. it wasn't I was, it was not the same as like an ESPN ABC broadcast but yeah it was weird I remember Cliff Averill had a scoop and score that game that's all I really remember mm-hmm. so and there's a graphic of Joe Tiller after the Boilers beat Indiana giving him a nine and one record at the time against the Hoosiers which is always a beautiful thing in West Lafayette so the Purdue ended up with an eight and six record, a fourteen game season that year because of the Hawaii game. Kind of, kind of odd because they end up losing in the Champ Sports Bowl to Maryland, now Big Ten foe Maryland, yep. twenty four to seven. And what Evan and I can describe as, yeah, <laughs> eh, it's not the biggest bowl blowout we've ever seen because we experienced no. that. <laughs> but besides that, it felt like well, it was definitely the biggest seventeen point blowout I've ever seen. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Tanner and I always joke about for this game because he was over at my house watching it and uh, we had gone upstairs to get a drink or something out of the fridge and came down and like, holy crap, we scored. Well, can't wait for the next score. And never happened. Never happened. <laughs> Ray Gordon had the one and only. So yep. uh, I believe the standout on that, Mar- uh, that Maryland team was Sean Lights Out Merriman. Remember him? He used to do the Lights Out yep. dance for the Chargers when he get sacks. Yep. Then he got much for steroids and his career has never really the same since. But Yep. Going into 2007 season, um, I remember being real pumped about this this season. I remember uh, thinking that Curtis Painter could be in contention for the Heisman. Mm-hmm. And um, I believe this was the year, maybe it was 2008, that I got on College Football Live and I asked them if um, Purdue could be a sleeper for the Big Ten. And Robert Smith said, oh, they'll be a sleeper, all right, and they won't wake up. And then I got on <laughs> later in the season – or. I think maybe it was the following year. I think it was going to Al Nate. I also got on and I asked Mark May if Curtis Panner could be a dark horse for the Heisman. He was real polite about it and said he could, but yeah. a lot of things would have to fall in place and go his way. But I don't like Robert Smith to this day. Yeah. And your dad recorded that for me, and I still have it on DVD to yeah. this day. I should go pop it in and play it again sometime. Just do it just to make yourself mad. Maybe I'll do that and, 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 and incorporate it in one of the podcasts yeah. as an audio by one week. So. Yeah. But 2007 season, Evan – Tell me if you've heard this before. Purdue started hot. (laughs) 
started five and zero. Oh. They uh, started off with a convincing win at the Glass Bowl, a place that wasn't always kind of Purdue. Going back to Tiller's first game in a route, 52-24. Dustin Keller was a man. Yeah, that was a game. fun game to watch. We um, watched the game together. And this is an offense that Curtis Panthers a junior, Dustin Keller is a senior, Dwayne Bryan is a senior, Greg Gordon has a senior. So a lot of firepower right there. Yeah. Corey Sheets as a junior. I believe uh, uh, I used to, at this point um, – I had my own little personal laptop out and every week I would always, I would go to journal and courier and my, my uh, desktop background would be some photo from the, from that from the previous game. And my favorite photo from this game was Dustin Keller stiff arming the absolute crap out of some, <laughs> out of some porch leader defender. It was still probably one of my favorite plays to watch. I remember we were, we were watching together with, with your family and we all just went nuts because he just, just threw him into the ground. It was he was a man among boys that night. He was yeah. a, originally a Toledo commit before he switched to Purdue. And uh, I remember he got a 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalty for high-fiving Purdue Pete after a touchdown. That game. <laughs> but uh, then I remember this game well. Uh, you, myself, and the other mm-hmm. host of the Boiler Breakdown, Andrew Eiler, and your father and Andrew's father were at this game. Eastern Illinois, it was a game that, we all thought it was pretty much canceled at one time due to rain. <laughs> we're heading home, and then we got on the heard on the radio that they're coming back out. So we turned around and went back, and I Purdue ended up winning convincingly, fifty-two to six. What street? I can't remember what street we were on, but yeah, it was. We got in the car and listened to the radio, and like, oh, look, we're having a game. Yep. <laughs> I remember. I just remember the. Uh, I think it was my dad. His ticket was soaked so badly it was like falling apart and <laughs> they're just like come on in no one cares at this point uh, remember the highlight highlight of this game was uh there was a pass across the middle mm-hmm. i don't remember who caught the ball but jake stanford absolutely ended some poor kid's life you can find it on youtube i've seen yeah. it on youtube the block yep. yeah it was a great block yep i mean there's probably what there was probably a couple thousand people yeah. in the stadium at this point like it was at the most yeah and, it reminded me of that Minnesota game a couple of years ago in Brahms' first year. Yeah. After, um, yeah. There's probably a little more during that Minnesota game, but yeah, still uh, unusual atmosphere. But yeah. an atmosphere that some places right now in college football are experiencing right now with yep. their crowds. So uh, Purdue got off that good start at Toledo against Eastern Illinois at home. Beat Central Michigan at home 45-22. It seemed like we just started our rivalry with Central Michigan where we were going to play mm-hmm. them. Every year for infinity going forward. At Minnesota, 45-31. I remember I missed the first half of that game, and Desmond Tardy returned a touchdown. And then uh, we beat Notre Dame, 33-19. This is the last time we've beat the Irish. Now, we haven't played them since 2014, but we haven't beat them since 2007. That was the Notre Dame team that saw Jimmy Clausen making his debut as a freshman, a Notre Dame team that went 3-9. and and which would be uh, one of Charlie Weiss's last years. Not not quite his last. He'd have two more, but starting to kind of turn on good old Charlie there. So yep. then that set up a big showdown at home. ABC, under the lights, against Ohio State, who was ranked uh, number four, 23-7 blowout, Ohio State. That was a Ohio State team that was loaded. Um, they ended up going to the National Championship that year and losing to Chris Leak, Tim Tebow, in Florida. But he yep. had Ted Ginn, he had Troy Smith, who was a Heisman Trophy yep. winning quarterback, Beanie Wells, James Laurinaitis on defense. Oh, I, 
think AJ Hawk was still there. He might have graduated year before. I think he graduated year before, but yeah. um, I'm sure I could look up their roster and they have yeah. tons, tons of pros. Um, so we lost there to them at home. Then we went to Michigan. Believe this, we lost 48 21. We did beat Iowa home 31 6. We beat Northwestern home 35 17. So, with three games left, we went out. We're going to find ourselves in Pasadena because it looked like either Michigan or Ohio State was going to make the national championship. Yep. And number two in the Big Ten would probably could get into Pasadena. We lost at Penn State 31 26. Or, uh, yeah. Or 26-21, excuse me. Wrote that down wrong. Um, in one of the worst officiated games I could ever remember. Then we lost at uh, home on senior day to Michigan State, 48-31. I remember that just wasn't uneasy. We never lost like that at home, especially on right. senior day, it seemed like. And then we lost at Indiana, which made them bowl eligible. The Austin Star kick, 27-24. Yep. It was the Terry Hep. Yep. Win one for Hep. Yep. yep. Um, so Purdue really backed themselves into a bowl there, uh, finishing season seven and five. Then they had a Motor City Bowl against Central Michigan again. J.J. Watt was playing tight end for them. A guy named Antonio Brown was a wide receiver. Purdue won a sh- shootout, 51-48, on the game-winning kick on the leg of Chris Summers. Curtis Painter threw for about a billion yards. Yep. Dustin Keller and Dorian Bryant went out with good games, as did Greg Orton. So eight and five season for Purdue. So pretty good record wise, but felt like it could have been a lot better. Oh yeah. So then that takes us to what would be Joe Tiller's last year in 2008. Um, oh, I got to share this Motor City Bowl cover one, Motor City Masterpiece there with uh, game MVP, Curtis Painter. But so then there was a lot of rumblings going into 2008 or the spring of, maybe it was even the summer about this being Joe Tiller's last year. They wanted to get a coach in waiting. I think everybody kind of expected when Joe was done that Brock Spack was going to be Purdue's next head coach. Yep. That wasn't the case. As a former offensive line coach at Purdue during the Rose Bowl years, Danny Hope was anointed the coach in waiting. It says all in the family, Tiller to give away to Hope. A lot of mustache. <laughs> and Spack too, because Spack stayed yeah. that year to be defense coordinator. Yep, Tiller to give, give way to Hope after 08 season. Do you what do you think? Looking back, obviously looking back at you know hindsight's twenty twenty. Um, do you think that she went to SPAC? I know SPAC kind of I think feels kind of I don't know if betrayed is the right word. Well, but... let's put it this way. SPAC uh, said he would be back in 09 to help Danny Hope yep. be his defense coordinator. And he got offered right after the season to be Illinois State's head coach, took it, and he has not left since. He's been right. with that program eleven years. Done a good job. Looking back, I think they probably made their own choice. Yeah. But his defenses were also declining. That yes, was the they thing. were. So could he be a head coach? I don't know. Danny had head coach experience at Eastern Kentucky, was doing well there. It's not the same level as Purdue right. or Division One, let alone Big Ten. But but um I will say the in and, and, and spoiler alert, we're gonna do a Danny Hope podcast hopefully next week. We're gonna care do a podcast uh Covering the Danny Hope era, so I don't want to get Daryl Hazel too in the future. So yeah, that one could be a joy. Um, <laughs> might have but to have BYOB on that one. For that one. Yeah. But uh, I mean, Danny Hope, I will say he was a players' coach. Players loved him. Oh, the offensive line. He he was a good yeah. offensive line coach. So no eight, he was really coaching up the offensive line. And when we had Corey Sheets on the podcast, we asked him if there was any friction. He said no. Danny kind of stayed to the side and coach yep. up his offensive line. Let Joe handle the team. So. 
pretty cool to hear that. But I guess going into this was I, I can't remember because there's kind of the whole rift between Tiller and Morgan Burke. Yes. Was this a, was this a kind of a force out or was this like, you know, Joe was ready to if I remember correctly, I don't think Joe was ready to step away. I believe you're correct. I was trying to go through my head. Yeah. I think it was similar to Katie. Um Katie wasn't ready to go out quite yet. Right. Um but Morgan kind of said it's time. I think I think both Joe and Katie wanted to coach a couple more years. But right. um but another thing uh Tiller's recruiting classes are starting to fall a little bit too towards the end of his tenure. And that happens a lot when a coach is uh with the program for twelve years or so. So we start off with a win against Northern Colorado at home, 42-10. to 10. The only thing I remember about that game, we had a block punt for a touchdown. I think that was the last time Purdue had a block punt for a touchdown wow. back in that game. Then we uh, hosted number 16, Oregon. Corey Schutz takes it to the house on the first series of the game. Uh, lost a heartbreaker to Oregon, 32-26 in double overtime. I believe it was Ross, well, it was, it was Ross Aid's first double overtime game in yeah. history. Um, one at one against Central Michigan the following week, thirty-two twenty-five, and I need to start sharing some of these covers because forgot there's the media guide cover of Curtis Painter because he had he was a dark horse for the Heisman going in. Yep. His name was kind of getting floated around, but then there's the Oregon loss, fast start, flawed finish, and then Purdue did beat Central Michigan thirty-two twenty-five thanks to a great run by Corey Sheets. As Sheets and Tiller set standards, Boilers survived Central Michigan, and that was Tiller's um, 85th win. So he passed Jack Malenkoff that day for the winningest head coach in Purdue football history. Yep. Then the season would not be very fun for Purdue after that for a while. Lost at Notre Dame 38-21. Remember, we had to lead for a majority of the first half and then just kind of mm-hmm. fell apart. Uh, lost to number six Penn State at home twenty to six. Lost at number twelve Ohio State sixteen to three. Remember that field goal was made by true freshman kicker Carson w- Carson Wiggs. Um, then we lost at Northwestern forty eight twenty six. I don't remember anything about that game. Nope. I was surprised when I saw that score. I'm like, wow. Actually, take that back. I do remember one thing about that game. Curtis Painter got benched for a guy named Joey Elliott. Joey Elliott blew out his shoulder or something that game and was had a half surgery and was done. Wow. I, so I, I, Joey's I first crack, he was got to yeah. get a shot. He was a junior. He'd been waiting for a mm-hmm. shot and got hurt during the game. Um, then we lost to Minnesota 17 to six. And then uh, once again, I don't, I think Curtis got banged up in the process because he was replaced going into the Michigan game with um, young quarterback, Justin Siller. <laughs> Purdue pulled out a, uh, Exciting win over Michigan. Only Tiller's second win over Michigan, forty-eight to forty-two. A little hook and ladder play to Desmond Tardy for the win. Mm-hmm. There's embracing the future. It says Corey hmm. Sheets, Justin Siller. Siller and Sheets huge and win over Michigan. Unfortunately, that would be Justin Siller's highlight of his Purdue career. Yep. Um, had some academic issues and then came back as a wide receiver for his last two years in 2010 and 11. Just wasn't the same. Um, so Purdue was still. Eligible to make a bowl at that time, but then they lost that number 18, Michigan State, 21 to 7. I think Siller got banged up that game because I do remember it was either that game or the following game because Curtis Painter had to come in and Siller didn't play the rest of the year. Um, lost that Iowa 22 to 17. Remember, Purdue battled 
their tails off that game, but Sean Green running back was a little too much. But then uh, Joe in his last game went out in style as they just killed IU 62 to 10. Emotional yep. day on the it field was, that yeah, day. That was going back to uh, I'll pull up here the our Twitter feed. And the uh, goal back cover that day said leader of the band. Bucket route mm-hmm. since Tiller out in style. So Joe went 10 and 2 against the Hoosiers all time yep. and uh, beat them every year at Rossi. Yep. Uh, one of the one of our responses was uh, uh, PU Fall Cities at PU Fall Cities. Uh, their response to our tweet, just remember a moment was, you know, though there are many great memories, still get choked up every time. You know, I watched his speech after his last game. The weather and game were so amazing. Glad I got to be there in person as a student. And we were there, um, not students yet, um, but we were there with one of our good friends, uh, not a Purdue fan, but. Um, no, he, he braved the weather f- with us, but uh, yeah, it was snowing, it was just uh, it was freezing, it was freezing, but yeah, it, one of the few times uh, I've legit shed tears at a Purdue sporting event. It was that, yeah, that free bird tribute, that tribute with the free bird song in the background yep. was pretty emotional. And then when the tiller choked up saying he wished the players weren't there because when the players are there, he has a really tough time. and yeah. Emotional day. Definitely. Yeah, it was. Definitely. Especially being it, you know, couldn't go out with a bowl. Yeah. That was tough. But, Second I mean, time in 12 years. Yeah. His worst season, four and eight. And yeah. We were looking back and that wasn't really even that close. It was no. probably by far his worst season. Yeah. Yeah. Disappointing, but great career. I mean, Absolutely. 87 wins, 10 bowls in 12 years. Rose Bowl parents, second one in school history and the latest to date. Big Ten Championship, great guy, you know, leader yeah. of men, produced many, many pros. So can't say enough about good old Cowboy Joe. He he made Purdue football into arguably what it is today or the or the um, outlook it has or the mm-hmm. you know, respected, I should say, among some. The offense, I should say. He, he, he um, took the cradle to the next level with Drew Brees, Kyle Orton, mm-hmm. even Curtis Painter. Um, but it was interesting what he left over for Danny Hope, and we'll we'll get into that next week when we cover the Danny Hope era, which was 2009 through 2012. And I promise to everybody, um, if you've listened to this whole thing, you are a trooper. I think this is our yes. longest episode we've ever done, but yeah. I knew it was going to be a long one covering all 12 seasons in some detail and sharing some memories and some moments along the way. And hope you really enjoyed it. Um, so I've got some a few more. Yeah, please hear from from some listeners. Uh, Chris Dowden at Dowden zero four five six on Twitter says, "Drew Brees not Alamable. Watching it with my dad, I was so it was so exciting and the excitement of a well coached game by Tiller." Uh, J A Wood at J A Wood on Twitter. Uh, besides the extremely obvious answers, the hook and ladder to beat Michigan in two thousand eight was special. Uh, Boiler in Texas dot com agrees to that one as well. Uh, Boilers and Beyond at Boilers Beyond. Uh, make sure I got the handle right. Yes, Boilers it's Boilers a new, Beyond. new podcast. Go check yeah. that out if you haven't already. Uh, going out with a 62 to 10 win over IU is an awesome way to finish a great tenure at Purdue. Absolutely. Uh, uh, boiler, boilerintexas.com at Boiler in Texas says first game against Notre Dame. Uh, oh boy, how do I spell uh, A. Engelberth at A. Engelberth on Twitter says this, seem, this will seem weird, but the feeling going to the Wisconsin fumble game. Which I mean, I agree. We both kind of talked about it. How yep. just the excitement going to the game was off the charts. Because even during the Drew years, the feeling about Purdue football was off the charts and a high watermark. 
uh, for fan excitement that we got there is is all on Joe still waiting to get back. I would say arguably from week two, that Notre Dame game, week two of 97, clear through that fumble game and maybe the rest of the 2004 season, mm-hmm. Purdue football had an exciting feeling every single Saturday. Oh, absolutely. Every Saturday you thought Purdue had a chance to win. Yeah. You knew you were going to see some fun offense. Yep. It kind of tailed off a little bit after that 04 season for the last couple seasons. but It, it probably I – mean, I could be wrong because, of I mean, my – Memory could be jaded a little bit because of what happened the you know the the next two coaches, but I feel like I didn't have that feeling of you know we can win this game. Hey, we may not be favored, but I we can win this game probably until twenty eighteen, maybe. Yeah, and, and I think even, a lot of people even prepared. then, like I mean, going to that Ohio State game, it was like oh my god, you know, it's yeah. not get blown out on national TV, but obviously. And I think a lot of people compare Jeff and, and, and like we've mentioned, we're going to do Danny Hope podcast, mm-hmm. Daryl Hazel podcast, and even a Jeff Brown podcast before we start getting into late October before we really get into the fun stuff, which is mm-hmm. the season, hopefully that we have yep. a season if everything goes according to plan. Um, but I think a lot of people compare that 99, 1999, se- 1997 season is late <laughs> yeah. season compared to Jeff Brown's first season in Absolutely. 2017. There's some similarities, but um mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, I, I love Jeff Brom. I think he's going to do great things at Purdue, but I can't compare him with Joe Taylor yet. Not yet. Nope. I mean, he's, hopefully someday. Hopefully someday. Hopefully we're talking about you know, you know, all-time wins football coach Jeff Brom at, at Purdue. I'm all so, for it. Yeah, I mean, it's probably good things. Uh, probably means he's done some good things. But yeah, I mean, and, I mean, until they kind of mentioned at the top of the podcast, you know, especially for us um, in our generation, you know, when we think of Joe T- or we think of Purdue football, it's it's Joe Taylor. Exactly. He, he is the, you know, he's at the top. He He's what we are striving to get back to. Um, you know, if it weren't for Joe Tiller, who knows where the program would be? Uh, you know, I mean, I don't even know who would we even be we'd be trying to get back to the mall and coffee years. I have no idea. Um, I don't really, yeah, that's the, that's the next closest yeah, um, successful so, era. I mean, yeah. you, you just never know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I mean, to do what he did, yeah. inheriting a dumpster fire. I mean, yeah. they, they were a laughing stock of the Big Ten mm-hmm. for right. years under Coletto and even Acres. Um, yeah, I mean, looking back, probably. I mean, obviously, Breeze is the obvious answer for like player to players that we remember the most. But I mean, like for me, anyways, just because of I was so young when Breeze played. Kyle Orton was was my guy. Um, still is one of my favorite of all time all time players. He is my favorite. That's the reason yeah. I'm a Denver Bronco fan. So. Yep, that's true. And um, I would go, I'm probably the only one. In the whole United States that can say that. <laughs> I mean, you want getting to watch players like John Sandiford, like a Dorian Bryant, you know. We would emulate those guys in the backyard. Oh yeah. Flag football. Yeah, Stu Swagger. Yeah, we yeah, absolutely would want to be, you know, someone was trying to be Dorian Bryant, someone was trying to be Corey Sheets, someone was trying to be Dustin Keller and stiff arm someone. Like it yep. was it was that's we were lucky, like as we mentioned, the top to grow up to kind of have our formative years in that in that time period. Definitely spoiled, um, but I think yes. it, it gives us hope for what hopefully is to come. Yep, uh, under Jeff Brom. But I mean, be glad yeah. be glad for what we did have though with Tiller. And hopefully, if we get back into an era that we're winning eight games year yeah. in year out, hopefully we enjoy it. And, we don't and- get too greedy. Something because we know, oh yeah, the lows now. Oh yeah, it's something we didn't even talk about yet. But without Tiller, 
and more specifically his wife, we would not have the the you know the the battle cry that we whatever you want to call it boiler up. We would not have that. That's a very good point. Um, so I mean, yeah, Tiller did so much for the program, so much for the school. Absolutely. And at the end, it's it's sad that he's not here to. I would love to really see him because he was supposed to, he was supposed to come back for that Michigan game. Brahms first year, isn't that correct? It was kind I of believe the, you're right. Yeah. The 97, the uh, 97 team's anniversary, and yeah. he passed away shortly before that. So it was sad, but you know, Drew came back, which was always cool. But yeah, we just could wish you could, you know, see where the program's at today. Yep. Yep. Well said. I don't really have any other thoughts. Mm-hmm. I think we've covered everything in the little over hour and a half that yeah. we've done this. But uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This evening, uh, whether you watched on Facebook Live, on YouTube Live, Periscope, or if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast platform, please hit that subscribe button. Give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We really appreciate it. Thanks to our two sponsors, Shroff Landscaping Nurseries and Webb's Family Pharmacy. Both glad, We are glad to have them both on board for Season 2 of the Boiler Breakdown. And hopefully next week we'll be coming to you with a Danny Hope era podcast. So more mustache, more mustache. (laughs) So on that note, like always boiler up, hammer down, boiler up. Thank you. I uh, first and foremost want to thank all the Boilermaker family, all of our fans, all of our alumni, all of our friends. I wish the players weren't here. I say that because but the players are here. I, I have a difficult time. I want to thank you. I want to thank all of you on behalf of all the players over the years that have played. I've always maintained the game is always about the players, number one. As Arnett said in the press box, I think she said in the press box, it's been your world. We're just passing through it. Belongs to the players. Belongs to the fans. And we respect the game immensely. They say when you leave a place, it's not what you take with you, but rather what you leave behind. Hopefully we left some great memories. I know we've left some great young men. Thank you all.